I think we're going to get wet. <laughs> well, they've just closed the roof. Have they? Um, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, the roof. Have they? That's a really bad sign. In front of us is closing. Well, we are on a roof, a we're different a roof. roof, not the one that's moving. <laughs> um, and it is—it's just spitting a little bit. I think I think we'll be all right. No, but it's if they no, but if they've closed the roof, it means they know something that's coming. Well, forecasts have been a bit iffy, haven't they recently? So when I said, "Why don't we set the roof?" Why did you say, "No, the forecasts a bit iffy"? No, I mean the forecast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you can't trust the forecast. Oh, okay. The amount of times they—they they weren't expecting a couple of those showers early on, were they? As long as that cloud that I'm looking at goes that way, it is that's what, that's where it's going. And that it's cloud comes this way. way we're going to be fine. Yes, it's bright. It will be absolutely fine. I'm going to have to get my sunnies on in a minute. People might have gathered. We're together. We, are we, <laughs> <laughs> we, we nearly weren't. There were, there were three or possibly four different plans for the recording of this podcast. Yes, Zoom. I think at one stage you were going to be in a car. I was going to be... Not driving. <laughs> That's a, I was going to be in a car park. Car. You were going to be at home. Yes, I was going to be at home. It was going to be Zoom. Um, but now, uh, the best possible scenario, we are sitting together on top of the roof before starts play on... I'm going to say it's Thursday. It's very difficult. No, to it's know. not Thursday. It's Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? It's Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> I was this, so sure it was Thursday. For people listening that work at events, whatever event it might be, you'll understand exactly where. You know, the only reason I know, you know how I know about my days. Oh, oh, kid stuff. No. Bin day. Bin day. And it, <laughs> I know because I'm, I'm, I'm staying at home and I'm traveling in. So it's about an hour and a half in the morning, about an hour in the evening, but it's bin day. So that's, that's the only reason I know about my days, is that I know the bins go out tonight. Yeah, I just have no idea days, anything, weeks. Quarterfinals <laughs> today, I know that much. <laughs> Second day of quarterfinals, I believe. And uh, we're at Wimbledon. It's it's a I'm on a roof. It's it's a good time to do this because if I'm right in thinking, it is day ten, and both of our predictions are still in. I mean, we didn't go left field, but... We didn't go left field, no, no, we didn't. But, yeah, I mean, solid, solid so far. Well, the talking point of this podcast, if our men's singles prediction had gone out, that would be the talking point. If Novak Djokovic was out by now, that would take up the whole podcast. He's still in. Who would you go for in the women again? Well, I had Shontek in the final... <gasps> So oh. that's not happened. No, that's not happened. Um, or maybe I did too. I was too. teetering on the edge of golf. She went out first round. Um, <laughs> I commentated on that. And when I was watching it and seeing her forehand get completely picked apart, and you look at it and you go, obviously that forehand cannot work on grass very well. I just, th- I mean, what was I thinking? I, I didn't think that was the thing. As I was listening one. to you commentate, I was thinking... Did she go with golf for her prediction? I spent a good 10 minutes trying to work out if you had actually settled on golf as your winner. I know. I went with Swantec into the final, but yeah. she was in the fourth round, and I had Sabalenka beating her. Right. Okay. Isn't it funny how like, whenever, the, whenever the dark horse or the unseeded player comes through, you always sort of think, like, yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. You know, of course, course that was yeah. Juicever's amazing on of grass. Of course. You know? yeah, of course. <laughs> Who didn't see? Who didn't see that running run coming? How about Madison Keys? I mean, of course she wins eSport. I mean, by the time people listen to this, she might have, you know, she might be nailed by Sabalenka one and two, or she might be through to the semi-finals. Um, Re- Rebecca was my pick. Yep, I was still in. I was nervy at the start, and then against Katie Bolter, I've, I felt a lot calmer as she eased her way yep. through. Then she had the Beatrice had had by unfortune of the Brazilian in the back, yep. and she keeps going. And look, there's no point us proving a match that by the time people listen to it, it's finished, but it's a repeat of last year's final with Rebecca today. But as we speak, at the end of week one, halfway through week two, we're still going strong. Still going, yeah. I know. It's, see, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. What, what was the dark, horse? dark uh, horse? I think my dark horse was Caroline Garcia. Yeah. Which was risky because she had so much tape. 
Yeah. On that right arm. Darkest the fifth seed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And mine was Donna Vekic. Um, Which is darker. Yeah, she did all right. I mean, she beat Sloane Stephens. um, But she lost to Von Drusser, I I believe. Now, uh, we're now in guessing territory of just remember the past. Well, we started one. We didn't even know what the day was. Well, no, you didn't know what the day was. How's your first 10 days because you're you're another one you're because some people sort of stay in houses together like yep. if if any other slam would be in sort of in a house with the team but you are also with young children traveling in every day how's how's that juggle going well i'm somewhat of a local i walk in yeah, every morning that's true so um, you know last year i got the trains but uh for our international li- listeners we have an awful lot of train strikes <laughs> currently <laughs> yeah we do and we had uh, about four days last week where there were no trains so um i decided that uh, i'd walk in and that's the thing with sort of an 11 a.m start you know look to be here at about 9 30 ish you know i've done a bit of prep but that means i can finish my prep i can be on site i can be sort of ready yep. for my match you know, yep. if, if i'm on a an 11 a.m. start but yeah yeah it's, it's perfect because i drop the kids off at nursery at eight nice it's an hour's walk from hour. door to door an hour back on walk, up a it? massive hill that's a walk I've been very sweaty when i've arrived <laughs> because it's been hot humid and uh yeah but i know I, I get my steps in so that's been really good i walked in this morning here for 9 30 ish 9 45 and uh yeah i'm the opposite i'm sitting in a, a car a lot Look, possibly because of those train strikes but there's a there's a lot of traffic a lot of sort of sitting in the car thinking when am I going to get there sort of sort of rocking gently in the car but because we've been leaving quite late we're going to talk about the late finishes it's been quite nice as long as I can try and sneak out ahead of the centre court crowd I can actually get out and get home so it's not been too bad but I've, you've had lots of walking I've had lots of sitting in cars and we've had lots of late nights under the how are you with the late nights do you like them you want it to start earlier too late too much tennis too, where are you on it's it it's funny isn't it because it feels so late here but obviously in comparison to other slides it's really early <laughs> 11, imagine if you went to Australia and you could be 10 30 we're finished 11pm um, but it feels very late I suppose the problem is obviously matches rolling over which you don't have at other slams because they have no curfew yeah um so that is definitely an issue it's not nice when players have to play multiple days in a row um I mean Djokovic had to play three days in a row didn't he um and yeah but then but then the thing is is the, the people that sort of get screwed over by the late nights are the ones that get all the advantages anyway as in Djokovic you know, normally gets scheduling that he likes and he gets looked after, he gets advantages on the practice courts and this and that and whatever. And obviously the draw, because he's the second seed, so you get a better draw. That's the point of being seeded. And, um, yeah, so, no, it, it's tough for him. But, I mean, with the state of play at this year's Wimbledon, we feel like anything that could remotely take the edge off Djokovic and even it out would be great because he's just so far ahead of everybody else. Um, yeah, it's only really impacted him to be honest isn't it <laughs> and he seems to be doing okay despite the impaction one would say i've only I've met one person who hasn't picked him so we've been here 10 days spoken to a lot of people and and i've only picked and i'll, I'll i won't reveal who the person is but i'll give you her reason for it her honest reason it's just because she doesn't like him not because, like Djokovic. yeah so right. so uh, if 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 she had her if she had to put her family on who would win 100 percent she'd go in Djokovic. but right. in a situation when you ask a question there's nothing at stake her honest answer to me was i'm going alcaraz i was like oh okay and she went because i don't like Djokovic. and i'm not saying that for any Djokovic fan to i'm just giving you her honest answer as to why but again if there was a house a car a luxury holiday a family on the line you can bet your bottom dollar that she would have gone Djokovic as well yeah, I, 
uh, yeah, so she hasn't really picked somebody else, has she? <laughs> no, she just trying to make it interesting. No, I, I, I just think she. Like, sometimes people go on who likes and dislikes, and she's just not a massive fan. So she's gone for someone else. Look, I mean, he's not looked brilliant. Must say, I mean, there's obviously been some brilliance. He's a phenomenal player, but you know, he's been frustrated. He's been flawed. He's won, which is what he needs to do. That's yeah. all he needs to do. And and he gets more. De- that's the problem with these players. You, you, the longer you get get them into a tournament okay we can move this back to Iga Shonte but it's a slightly different conversation but someone like Djokovic who doesn't play a lead-up event the more matches they have the deeper they get the harder it gets both physically and mentally because suddenly you're facing Djokovic not in the first round but you're facing him in a Wimbledon semi-final you are you you are and it and that was my point in the last pod when we were talking about a potential Djokovic Alcaraz final is Alcaraz going to beat Djokovic well if he does he's going to have to do it in the Wimbledon final and I just think that (laughs) is not I think it's a reach to far I think particularly with what we've seen from Alcaraz I think he's done incredibly well this surface is very new to him it's amazing how this surface can be new to him when you're number one in the world it's just it doesn't make any sense but it is and you know he's still battling with it he's still struggling with it he's doing very very well obviously don't get me wrong he he really is improving all the time but will he improve enough will he have soaked up enough information and knowledge and make the adaptations that in a tie break in a Grand Slam final against Novak Djokovic he's going to be able to make those correct decisions which are out of his comfort zone and not what he would usually do no and again by the time you listen to this he may have beaten Holger Rune he might be out of the competition but it's still a a valid conversation to have about someone who is still finding his feet on grass as is Iga Svantec and the positives are for Svantec is that she's got the furthest she's ever got at Wimbledon and she's looking more comfortable on the grass but there are still vulnerabilities in the Fiontech game on this surface we saw her very very unsettled at times yelling up to her box not sure of a plan she didn't know where to go at times which is not what we're used to seeing with her she's really battling hasn't she she has well she has been battling she's finished for this year in terms of the grass I think she's done well and she's made some big improvements but again it's just not natural so when you get to the crunch times or when you start to get a bit tired towards an end of a match you just stop you just stop pushing yourself to do the right things um and yeah I think it's just just been very very tricky I don't think she's looked comfortable in any match I think she's been pushed by a lot of people uh, she was pushed by Petra Martic, was it? Uh, obviously pushed to the brink by Belinda Bencic. Yeah. You know, all these people are very good grass quarters, and it's just a complete leveller um, because it just doesn't take. It, it takes the best elements of her game away. So the heavy forehand just doesn't work as well on the grass, and your movement just can't be as good on the grass. Even if you think about Novak Djokovic, and obviously he's phenomenal on grass. You don't see the best of his movement on this surface because you can't you just you can't move on it like you do on a hard court. We see the best of his movement at the US Open on the hard courts. And that is you know, that and that's a problem for Shontek. Her movement is so phenomenal that uh, you know, it just gets neutralised. But she she will or should take away positives that as I say, first woman could find she's only twenty two. Arena Sabalenka could still be world number one if she wins this title. That battle is, is still taking place. As as a set of courts, how do you feel the courts are playing this year? Uh, well, they're in great condition, aren't they? Uh, to be honest, I mean, we had so much heat 
through June coming in. It was the hottest June on record in this country. So that makes them very hard, very solid. But, of course, the two show courts have the protection of the roof. That can be closed at any time as... uh, they are both closed now. Is that one closed as well? Yeah. Is there something we don't know? It's not raining. Because it looks blue out. above us, but I'm just a little bit nervous that... I mean, there is still play. I can still practice this taking place on, on the courts below us, sort of 14 through to 17. But why have they shut the roofs on? You've got... What are you wearing sunglasses for? Where's the sun? It's, it's very bright. It's not. It's very bright. There's no what sun. What sunglasses from? Wow. Oh, I'm sprint- squinting. You're squinting. I am. Grey clouds. Gray, there are grey clouds around, but they're currently missing us. So, so we got at some point. So we've got courts in good condition. Playing... Uh, Michael, we had Michael Stick with us in the Five Live Box yesterday, 91 yes. champion. And, and he was just... He wants to see, of course he does, more seven volleyers. He said, we're not going to see those Everyone anymore. He said, I mourn those days. I want them back. And he said, but look how these courts are playing. They're just playing like hard courts. Well, that's it. They are just hard. And, you know, I had a long chat with um, some, a, a member of the, the, the grounds team, a se- senior member of the grounds team, yep. the head groundsman here um, at Wimbledon. Um, it was in the off-season. I had a, had a really long and lovely chat with him about the developments of the grass courts over the years and and he's worked i think he'd worked here for nearly 40 years to be honest worked on these grass courts and um he was saying that none of it is deliberate so i think a lot of people think that the changes to court surfaces are deliberate um and he said it's just the advancement of technology you know they have the heat lamps and they have all these different things that have developed in the last 40 years and it has an impact on the courts and you know they're bringing in new technology and of course they're, they're leading I mean no other sport needs a surface like this so they have to just figure it out themselves um, and try and advance things and and as I say so everything that they bring in and they do bring in you know um, year after year it's all about looking after the grass having the grass um, last longer and it's it, yeah you just end up in this position as I say it's just not deliberate the courts are much slower and the courts are harder it's just not bouncing through so it is a little more like a a hard court in terms of the ball bouncing off the court and your strike however the movement will always be difficult for as I say the hard court is you will never be able to move like you do on a hard court or a clay court it's just not going to happen I know we see some slides here and there but and you hold your breath don't you largely yeah but but ultimately it's just a completely different style of movement and we've seen I've seen plenty of shots Alcaraz chasing down that he would 100% get on a hard court or a clay court and he doesn't get there because he you know he he can't slide into it which is what he will do and then he, he might have an attempt of a shot which is very difficult to hit because he's trying to slam on the brakes and take lots of these little stamping steps to slow himself down it's very difficult to play a shot like that he's used to playing a shot on the slide that's how he plays slowing down yeah so to slow down whilst you're still running your body's in a completely different position your balance is completely different and he, he just doesn't really know how to how to make that work and you have to commit to wanting to do it and i think the very top players will because they know that they need Wimbledon if they want to be considered one day among the greats and the records but there are those players that are like (laughs) and they turn up and they slip and slide around and they go out early and they say it's going to be over soon you know it's like a really painful moment in their year and it's just going to be done with but there'll be others like like, she wants to be considered you've seen one of the greatest so she will adapt she will change as will Alcaraz but but some players and you've seen it over the years they come and you're like oh dear and off they go and out they go and back onto the clay are hards and, and that's grass done yeah but it's, it's always been that way and I think there's still plenty of players doing that now yeah, so yeah. I don't think the surface has changed 
that significantly that it's you know made um, you know an out and out clay quarter can rock up and win plenty of matches. Like, I don't mm. think that's how got to make the adjustments. Yeah, of course you've you got do. to we accept it. All the time. it. Derek Asakina saying I had to I had to learn to not fear it. I had to accept the bad bounces. I had to trust my game on this surface but above all it's acceptance of the surface it is yeah which is really difficult you have to sort of embrace the i don't know where the ball's gonna go (laughs) and you have to so it's coming at you and you've just got to be so ready for anything and particularly now in the second week you get more and more bad bounces there's more and more tufts of grass missing and uh you know you you could land in a patch of sort of sparse grass and bit of mud bit of dry dust or you could land in a very very lush um, part of the grass and the same for the movement it's very different you know like it's all very well sliding early in the tournament where the grass is all lush yeah, but all yeah. of a sudden you know you can't be sliding around that baseline very well at all now you can for a drop shot because it's still going to be lush but you know there's just so many things to consider um, and that's where the experience is just ridiculous from Djokovic and you've got to remember that a lot of players oh, that's pretty loud. someone's just parking my car oh, is that it <laughs> yeah it's the, the valet Ferrari, it's the it? valet parking <laughs> <laughs> oh god, dear! Um, but you've got, you've got to remember as well, and it's something that I've brought up a lot. Um, I think through this tournament is that there's quite a number of players that just really haven't played much on grass recently. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, especially the Russians and Belarusians. I said it last time on the pod. They didn't play last year because they weren't allowed. They may have played in um, 2021, and we didn't play in 2020 because of COVID. So in four, ye- in the best part of four years, from the end of the 2019 uh, champs to 2023 they've played once so if you're somebody who's not naturally very good on grass that's very difficult you just have had no time to develop it's not been you mentioned the russian belarusians it's not been a main story it has been a story it has come up in terms of handshakes non-handshakes reaction no reaction we know why the players from ukraine are not shaking hands with the Belarusians and Russians, there'll be members of the crowd who understandably won't know because maybe they've just been given tickets, they've gone to Wimbledon the first time and they've seen something not happening that normally happens. Why is it not happening? Do you think something needs to be said to the wider public or it should carry on as it is and people will understand what it's all about? No, I don't think you, there's any point in saying anything. I mean, look, I, I mean, what, is in like a Tannoy announcement or something? Or I, I, whether it's a it's a news release or something said, or I don't know, but something... At, would you say something at the beginning of a match? Does that... I don't know. It doesn't feel the right thing to do, but then you don't want players booed off for something that they haven't done when they've done no wrong. Well, it's never going to happen because the club don't want to get political and yep. <laughs> after last year. Maybe they do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, what a ridiculous statement. Oh, my God. Um... But yeah, I don't know, it just gets a bit messy, doesn't it? It's like, look, if people want to boo, they want to boo. If, if they don't know the situation, you know, because there's loads of just general fans for Wimbledon, they do yeah. not play tennis year-round. I mean, you must get it all the time with people you know coming, saying, who's this person? You're like, what, yeah. the world number five? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, any good? I'm like, well, quite good. Um, and, you know, that's, that's what Wimbledon is, because Wimbledon is bigger than the sport, really. You know, people come to Wimbledon, people come in on a grounds pass, and, you know, I had, I had um, my relatives came in on a grounds pass with um, a baby in a buggy, which means, that, I mean, they couldn't watch any tennis because oh, you, that's can't, true. you yeah. can't bring the buggy no. onto any court. They just wanted to be here. They just wanted to yeah. be at Wimbledon. Experience I think it. they did actually manage to squeeze onto one doubles match for a little bit. Um, but ultimately, you know, you can't just leave the buggy somewhere. So, like, so but they, they just loved it. They were just like the atmosphere. We sat on the hill and we watched it and we, we drank pims. So, you know, the, the place is sort of, 
bigger than the event itself, if you know what I mean, and, yeah. and what's actually going on on the court. So you get people here that, that, that don't have a clue, but that's what's great. This isn't just for, you know, the tennis enthusiasts. This is for everyone. This is what it is. It's, you know, the biggest event, you know, in my opinion, in the world. And, uh, you, you know, it's the best two weeks of the year. and You just want people to experience it. Speaking of having friends that come and they say, who's that? And you're like, oh, that's like the number one player in the world. And I, oh, I see. I had some friends who came. They were on centre court. I said, oh, you've got this amazing lineup. You've got Carlos Alcaraz and Djokovic. He's got to come back and play again. And I was, and I was really surprised. I know they like their tennis, but I actually replied saying, where's Chris Eubanks playing? And I'm like, I was yeah. like, that is amazing. He's transcending the I was sport like, already. that is amazing. And this was when he was facing Stefano Sitspas. He had gone on to beat Stefano Sitspas. And that's one of these wonderful stories, these stories you'll get through Grand Slams. Uh, and a not so young man now who has conquered his fear of grass. He said at the start of the year, it was just the most horrendous surface. Now he's a titleist on it and he's gone deep at Wimbledon. Yeah, he's a real feel-good story, isn't he? We've got a couple of those knocking around. Yeah. It's a bit of a contrast because on the w- normally this happens on the women's side, apart from the Aslan Karatsev situation at Australian <laughs> <The> Open. Situation. <laughs> situation where he qualified and reached the semis. Um, uh, but on the women's side, we normally get these sort of unusual or just sort of these appearances yes, into yeah, the semis or possibly even a final. And we haven't got that at all. I mean, the whole quarterfinal lineup of the women's event was just ridiculously experienced. Yeah. Uh, you know, even Von Drusova unseeded. She's been in, in a, a, the Roland Garros final. And an Olympic final. Of course, yeah. You know, and Svitolina and Pagula are probably the least experienced, which is just silly. They've both been <laughs> the world number three. It's just bonkers. Anyway, so um, so this is really the sort of Chris Eubanks. Excellent. Um Oh, he's just Tell people so about good. his game that people might there'll be people listening going, We know there'll be others going, I don't really I don't really know him. Well he's massive, that's the main <laughs> thing. You, um, you in commentary. Describe how you described him in commentary when he was reaching up to serve and, and what height you eventually put him at. Oh well, <laughs> did you enjoy that? I love that. <laughs> I was saying it's coming down from such a height because he's six foot seven, he's the tallest man in the top hundred. <laughs> Said plus, I have to do it again today because I'm on the medal. Yeah, you go do it again. You back match, but he's six foot seven plus his arm plus his racket. He's about <laughs> ten foot tall. <laughs> it's but that puts into kind of context the height that this ball is coming down from on these hard courts, which is kicking up. Exactly, yeah, it, and it's properly bouncing, and, and it does. It just goes over people's heads, really. Um, but then he's now he's facing Medvedev, who's six foot six and stands a hundred meters behind the baseline. So far so, back. So, so it's just so far. It's back. actually in in all seriousness, it's about seven meters behind the baseline. Now, if you go to your local court whenever you are going to play tennis, walk seven meters behind the baseline. If you have seven meters behind, well, the I'm baseline. just going to say you'll be outside the court because there'll be a fence in the way. You might have to go out and measure it. I mean, I did it at a local court, and it's honestly, I mean, you you generally get about four meters from the baseline at a normal court. Um, so yeah, just keep keep going, <laughs> keep going, and that's where he's standing. And I don't think he's going to make any changes against Eubanks' serve today. It's amazing. It's Chris Eubanks. A lot of it, and I feel like I've been talking. Any Djokovic match I've done, I've used the word belief when it comes to his opponent. Does he believe he can beat him? The answer is no. It's been no with her catch. Been no with Rublev, and 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 on we go. And Chris Eubanks, he was saying it's. He didn't believe. He didn't, everyone kept telling him, you, you've got this, you, you can do this. And then there was this lovely exchange with Kim Kleisters and she gave him little tidbits about the grass. And, but he just didn't believe and he just didn't have the confidence. It's amazing. Sometimes things click, the little changes are made and, and look where he is now. It just, you know, he did a bit of commentary for Tennis Channel. And I think that also put into perspective what he was doing and, and maybe what he wanted to do. 
Yeah, and I know that Kim is obviously the big name, and it's a wonderful story that she was so supportive of him, and and uh, you know, and, and has helped trigger this amazing run. Um, but I think he also did speak to other people, and he yeah. got more more blunt responses of what do you mean you can't play on grass you're six foot seven with a massive <laughs> serve like does your serve come back what are you talking about so i think it, it definitely was a combination we we do focus on kim because that was delightful and we've seen the picture screenshot this is then this is now the with the mallorca title exactly and that that was really lovely and of course you know eubanks with a big shout out to her but i think plenty of people were like Chris, you've got to get a grip, mate. Like, your game is designed for grass. Just get a little more comfortable moving and you'll be fine. And, um, you know, he sort of had the approach that he's going to blast the shot. <laughs> he's just going to blast it from the back of the court, not go into any long rallies. So he doesn't have to move that much and it, it's fine. Let me ask you about Jessica Pagula. I think she's Ooh. now Owen, is it Owen 5 or Owen 6 Grand Slam quarterfinal 6? What is it? What's she lacking to, to make that? She's been one of the most consistent players in the WTA Tour in recent years. But what is it that's missing just to take her that, that next level on the ground, Sam? So if, if you're looking at her game, if you're looking at her mentality, is, is it nothing? Is it something? Is it combination? I don't think there's anything missing because she was points away from going 5-1 up in... Uh, a point away from going 5-1 up in that third set against Von Drusseva. There's, there's nothing missing. It's there. Like, she's just got to do it. And it's definitely a mental block because it's six quarterfinals out of the last seven Grand Slams. That, that is not just six over an eight-year period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is just quarterfinal after quarterfinal after quarterfinal. And, you know, remarkably consistent. And, uh, you know, huge props to her for that. But, you know, she's absolutely had opportunities to come through to the semis. And yesterday was one of them. As I say, a point for 5-1 in the third. She just needed to step on the gas and keep it going. And she just couldn't. And you could see... As we all started thinking it was starting to slip away, that's exactly what she was feeling as well. You could see it written all over her face when it went, you know, she, it was um, it went to four two and then to four three, and all of a sudden this is very different, and and it just it, it slipped away from her. I think it's different because then I was commentating on Yannick Sinner. Now, so much hype about him. We talked about the Wimbledon poster, which was sort of predicting that. Alcaraz and Sinner were going to be the next rivalry in comparison and they were comparing them they were in the same poster as Navratilova and Graf Williams and Williams oh, that's <laughs> I mean, incredible. was it was it was it Borg and McEnroe, McEnroe. I mean honestly <laughs> Sinner and Alcaraz okay Alcaraz world number one won a slam Sinner never passed a quarter final like there's still quite a way to go however they're very happy now he's in the semis he's now in the semi-finals <laughs> I watched him yesterday but however he's been in a quarter final four times very recently similar to Pagula not quite six but four times and every time he's I think his losses were Djokovic Nadal Alcaraz and Tsitsipas yeah so of the four times you sort of understand that a bit more yeah. you're like you know what he is in that seeded bracket where he's just constantly doing that he had his opportunity against Roman Safiulin to come through and he did yeah. you know so the the opportunity was there and he got it done so I don't think that he was in a similar headspace with his four quarterfinals as Pagula because Pagula's had the chances it's been right in front of her and she's not got it done so all I can say is it's a bit of a mental block it's a hurdle that she will get over she like she will remember um, Oje Aliassim in finals eight finals and he got absolutely destroyed in all of them absolutely destroyed in every single final he was in well Andre Rublev's now 0-8 in Grand Slam quarterfinals well there you go as in it it does happen to people I think you know look Rublev might I I don't know about Rublev but I I suspect he's lost to some of the top guys quite frequently similar to Sinner 
but as I say, so you, you, you do have to look at, you know, how the draws pan out and when those losses come and how they come. And against Von Drusseva, you know, look, I'm a massive fan of Pagula. Um, but that that's a match that, you know, you want to win a slam, you've you got to beat these players. Now, Von Drusseva, I think one of the most unsettling things for me yesterday were the amount of pictures of bald cats that appeared on my Twitter timeline. The thing you sent me was <laughs> horrific. Absolutely horrific. No, I'm in the you, middle no, of commentary. You can't say it because it wasn't horrific in that sense. What? <laughs> that sounds like it was. Describe what it was. It was a dancing bald cat. It was horrific. <laughs> How else do you want me to describe it? It was absolutely from, awful. From It was the back of a it dancing bald cat. It properly gave me the heebie-jeebies. Like, so, it really made me shiver. I wasn't in the middle of commentary, but we were on a different court. So no, it, was, it was okay. I wasn't actually on air at the time. And I was pointing through yeah. a window to tell you to look at your phone. You were going, what, what? And I was like, look at your phone, look at your phone. Oh. And this, so imagine, my timeline's full of them, because... Von Drusseva posted a photo of her playing Monopoly with a hairless cat called Frankie. Yeah. And there are pictures of Frankie the hairless cat pushing, I don't know, a hotel across a Monopoly board. So at which point we, we put something out there. Do you play ball games with your pets? And we had someone who has a cat that pats a ball. Someone that has a lizard called Jeff who plays Connect Four. And, I, <laughs> and I'm still... I spent a good ten minutes trying to work out how a lizard would pick up the Connect Four piece because you've got to pick them up and put them in. Well, I wonder if the liz- lizard just indicates where they want to move. and they have With its tongue? Like a... Do you think it shoots its tongue out? No, to the... mm. I don't know. But, but it somehow was... we'll have to indicate which row they want the With lizard its... wants the, the Connect Four piece to I go mean, into. There's, I just... Then you could play. And then, but well. everyone, because I was quite startled that you'd play Monopoly with a bald cat or any cat, to be fair, people on my Twitter started thinking I didn't know what a hairless cat was yeah. started sending me loads of pictures of hairless cats and that gift that I sent to you it's funny though isn't it yeah it's funny <laughs> it's, after, I got, after I got over my heebie-jeebies it was it's great it's a bald cat standing on its back legs wiggling. and it's the back of it and wiggling. obviously it's bald so it's just pink and it's wiggling yeah it's a bit yeah. A lot of people Funny. have either seen that gif or go searching for it. But sorry, that just took me completely left field. But that was something that, that we brought up and during... Just, just to let everybody know, when you're covering slams on, on radio, you do have a lot of air time to fill. <laughs> <laughs> was this when this conversation's not happening at like break point or in a tie break. And on, or on day one. <laughs> yeah. You've got to remember the context. Day nine, it was a quiet moment. Yeah, we were just we were just easing our way through, and as you say, we, we've got a lot of time. So who's the who's we're speaking at the beginning of day ten? So there's going to be stories and environment. Who's your player of the first nine days? Who's the one? If you had to give me a, a name or or a story or a match that you commentated on and why? Well, there's been three big stories really. I mean, the feel good ones: Eubanks, Vitalina, and Andreva. Yeah, I told you to watch out, watch out for Andreva. Never been on grass before, yeah. ever. Never set foot at this Ever. place. Ever. You know, absolutely ridiculous. And she pushes Madison Keys for a place in the quarterfinals and takes the first set off. Eventually she'd lose in three. But And, and you know what I like about it? Sorry, I, it, I like the fire. Because so, she got a bit feisty. She yeah. got a bit fiery. I like that fire and yeah. feistiness. She's, she's only 16. These are very new experiences for her. And, and I, like, I like the fire. Yes, it's, it's got it. It can't boil over to it. But I like the fire in the belly. Well, you can see that she was here to win. 
Yes. And that's what's so fascinating. Yes. Come through qualifying 16 years old, and I think she thought she had a sneaky chance of winning this whole thing. And that's great. That's incredible. That's what you want, though. Yeah. I mean, she's got it. You know, you look at Emma Raducanu. She did it at 19. Okay, a little bit older. But, you know, if you're, you are Andrea, you're going, well, why can't I do that? Yeah. You know, I've come, come through qualifying. I'm feeling good. I've had some big upsets. You know, here everyone, everyone's making out like this tennis thing's hard. Come on, I'm still a child. It's easy. She's um, a child. But oh. no, but, but that's also, that's what makes her so good. Because if you watch her game, you know, she doesn't have a massive weapon. She doesn't, and this is where it's going to be very interesting once she pushes up into the top 30, is does she stagnate a little bit because she doesn't have a you know, massive weapon, a big serve or anything like that that's going to win points quickly or is going to hurt solid players. She's a very much sort of all-round player, doesn't have huge amounts of flaws, unbelievably competitive, huge amounts of belief. Now, what happens when players start to work out her game a bit more, as we've seen with other players when they get to the top? Coco Goff, for example. Look, Coco Goff's a top five player, or she has been a top five player. You know, it's not like it's bad. <laughs> it's just that people assume that when players do things early that they're going to go and win ridiculous amounts of grand slams and i remember when coco goff won that tournament in Linz when she was 16 she she got in as a lucky loser yep, and yeah, won I remember it. that yeah and it all everything was you know youngest since serena or whatever it is and you know what it doesn't mean she's going to be serena she's not going to be you know that's just is how it is um but people link it when it's when it's like that and you know i remember donna vekic was in the top 100 at 16 and i think the next youngest person was probably about 20 at the time there were no teenagers I around. think about belinda bench what belinda she Bencic. did at the age she was before the wrist injuries it doesn't mean like yes andreva it really is is sensational and of course she's going to have a wonderful life as a professional tennis player and earn lots of money um, but in terms of where she ends up, you really, you really don't know. It's very difficult, very difficult to guess. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Lovely. We have a we have a special guest on the podcast joining us. It is day ten, so we're just confirming that we did actually get the right day. Wednesday. Outside courts. So you can you could actually mark what time we are recording. I feel like I should hold the microphone to the speaker because people might not be able to hear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. Actually, we just they're just sort of hear this muffling, muffling voice in the background. And I think Andreva, what I like about her, and what I like about Kenin, I like personality. And I, I told you in in France of Roland Garros, I'm and you may have by the time people listen to this been swept off the court, but I'm completely sold by Holger Rune. I love the confidence, I love the belief. I did his last match against Dimitrov and maybe I don't agree always with all of his actions, but I love the fact that he's so feisty, he's a fighter, he's gritty, he's aggressive, he gets under the skin, he brings something to the tennis court. You know, when he gets out, it doesn't matter who you are, he's going to do everything possible to win. And then he does the interview afterwards, and he's got this little baby little cherub face and a kind of slightly squeaky voice and he's, he's just a young kid but I love which I think Andreva's going to bring is, is personality grit fight and I think for this next generation I think we need that I think we need that to bring new people into the sport they need to attach to these personalities we need to have personalities and and that's what I love about those players that they they're bringing that they might like Andreva might not have the big weapon but maybe her big weapon 
is her personality, her confidence and her belief. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so with you on the Holger Rune. Oh, I'm sold. I'm completely I'm, I'm sold. I'm fan club. Oh. great. And the thing is, is, you know that his stream of consciousness when he's in the match is, it's largely quite, I think, negative and disrespectful to his opponents, which is completely fine. Tennis players on the court think all sorts of nonsense and as should we say nonsense stuff to each other as well. And you, you sort of do have to have that little bit of spite and think you know like oh, I can't lose to this person you've got to be kidding me like you yeah. know and I, that's the sort of train of thought that you know that he has when he's on the court it's a little he, he does go into that little bit of a bratty thing hey Djokovic was like that when he was in his early 20s as well look what he's he's achieved Absolutely. there's nothing wrong with it it's about what, finding what works for you but he goes into that bratty thing and you know I think as you say with that confidence that arrogance that he has it is sometimes a bit like this guy come on get a grip Holger like if he loses a set to someone or something he's like you you know Um, but that's great you've got to have standards and you've got to understand you know that stuff when you're on the court and as I say we all talk absolute nonsense I mean (laughs) we'd all be thrown thrown into into sort of a padded cell I think if anyone knew what what, what players were thinking in the middle of matches (laughs) his mother Annika said that when he was six or seven he said he wanted to be a Grand Slam champion, Hagaruna, and she said, from that moment on, I saw the fire in his eyes. And you, you can see that fire. You can see that he brings it to the court. And just remembering, we, we talk so much about Alcaraz, and we should do, because he's 20 and he's world number one and he's a Grand Slam champion. But Hagaruna is also 20 and he's already a Masters winner. He had two Masters runners-up this year. He's This is his third, by the time you listen to it, you know if he's reached Grand Slam semi-final, but this is his third Grand Slam quarter-final. I just love that we've got these characters and these personalities that are kind of mixing it in. I think it... But as as we were saying before, just because Alcaraz has done it first doesn't mean he's going to end up with the most out of him, Sinner and and Runa. I mean, it looks that way at the moment, but it doesn't mean that. You know, you don't know how Runa and Sinner are going to develop. You you just don't know how they're going to push themselves forward. Someone asked me how many... Will... Holger Rune win a Grand Slam title? Well, I think probably. Yeah. Then they asked me how many. That's, that's tough. That's a tough. Tough at this stage. I, I think I went seven. Seven? Yeah. <laughs> I d- <laughs> and it's I, just I think, plucking into thin air, isn't it? Yeah. I mean... I was I watching his match. I was caught up in it all. He'd just got a break back. He was about to close out the match and I went seven. <laughs> I mean, look, it's so difficult, right? Because if we'd asked the same question about Coco Goff two years ago, which her at 16 yeah, interesting, is probably Goff. the same... Her at 16 and Andreva at 16 is probably the same level. Not the exact same level because they're not top 10 yet, but in terms of what what they could achieve and how far they are away from winning a slam of somebody like Aruna now as it were in terms of guessing do you know what I mean like guessing how much yeah. far they'll go they're, they're that, they were that far away and like with Goff you would have said for sure she's going to win loads of slams she might never win a grand slam in her career that's, so, that's a reality so for a lot of people it can be mental rather than technical for you for Goff it, it's technical rather than mental well, it's, it's both. Uh, you know, the te- if the technique is there, then there's nothing to have any mental frailty about. Mm. But if the technique is not there, so that's what's very exciting about Andreva. The technique is there every single shot. There's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing that yeah. you look at and go, "Oh, how's that going to stand up to a, a Sabalenka monster backhand?" If you know what I mean. Whereas you get that with Goff and with with plenty of others. Um, and normally with these youngsters that come through, there are issues, but there just isn't for Andreva. And it's it's very exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, 
it's, she still needs a little bit of time, I think, to to learn. And I know she's incredibly mature, but she needs to get even, even more mature, as it were. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, she, I mean, she'll be in main draw of slams now. She'll be causing problems and no one's going to want to play her. No, absolutely not. I do feel I owe an apology to our listeners or the listeners who've been with us for a long time because, uh, what was it, two two years? How long have we been doing the pod now? Three. Four. Three. Four years. Four. So, Four years. So two years ago, maybe three years ago, we had some mugs made. We did, yes. And, and we, we sent them to some listeners who, who asked for them. They didn't just send them randomly. And then we were like, oh, you know, sorry, we've run out, don't have enough mugs to send to people. You sent me a photo the other day of your kitchen cupboard full of tennis mugs. Yeah. <laughs> like, where have they been? What? It's like a secret stash of podcast mugs. Yeah, well, I didn't know I had them. I think it's about six of them. And then Ben found them when we were sort of when we were moving or oh, I don't know we were doing some work in the house or something anyway we unpacked a box and it was uh, had some mugs in there so he just got them out and started using them that's it so it's sort of like when you come to my house all of my towels are exclusively tournament towels see that disturbs me that you said the other day didn't you something along the lines of there's might be one from 2004 that's 2000 it has it has 2008 written on it 2008. 2008 but it means that means no, you can't have a towel. That, no, <laughs> no, but it was in a. It, it wasn't used. From no, but how do you? Okay, so you've got a guest that's gone round. Unless you say to <laughs> hello, here's your Wimbledon 2008 towel, but we haven't been using it since 2008. I'd pick up that towel and I'd whisper to my other half, "Look, she's given us a towel that's been used since 2008." I know, I know, and I don't, I don't tell people about it. But no, I probably, probably cracked that towel open, probably about three or four years ago. I think that. But that, guests don't know that. They don't know that. They no. don't know that. But yeah, but that was that. I've come to the end of my tournament towels that I collected as a player. I had them all stashed, and then I've just been feeding oh, them in. So okay. now I'm gonna have to start buying them because oh. it's like that's my thing, right? Now every every towel in the house is a tournament towel. Oh, so now you've got to start investing. Well, I can't have a plain towel. That'd be could, madness. Have you never had a plain, a plain towel? towel? We've got a couple lurking around, but but you don't really have plain. Towel. Towel. <laughs> even even the towel for baby. <laughs> it's an Australian open one. What year? What year's um, the baby got? Oh, I'll have to take a picture of it. I don't know. but it's 2000? Um, I think it might be 2016. <laughs> oh, at least... at least. But okay. it was one, you know, it's not, not quite a hand towel, but it's sort of a, a, a smaller size. It's not a beach towel or anything, but it, it's appropriate for a baby. She gets sort of wrapped up nicely in it. And uh, yeah, even she's got her own Australian Open towel. She's got her own tournament <laughs> towel. Okay, so, that's, so now I know. I never I, had use for it before. Well, it's too small for it. If anything. I'm ever at a tournament that you're not at, because sometimes that happens, I know what to get you. Yes, now I need torment. Okay, so now you're right. <laughs> I sometimes you. think if I if you get a gift for someone, what gift could you get Naomi at a tennis tournament? Because she's a player. But now I know that you want some towels. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Stop. Well, Stop me up. I haven't hit the shop so far. Um, no, I have haven't. You got I'm just, no? no, I haven't. Actually, there's no queue. We might be able to sneak down there because there's a ripple of applause because matches are going to be getting underway fairly shortly. There is no queue at the shop. The announcement said largely dry. Might be a shower this morning. Hence why the roof Do you know the, the thing at the shop that people say to me who are very experienced is the best value for money? Tell me. Oven gloves. Wimbledon oven gloves. What? Apparently. You know what? Oh, we actually need some. We had some... Oven gloves. Apparently they're really good quality. Right. Well, you know, no heat getting through those. Do you know what? That, is, that might be the most random thing you've ever said, <laughs> but I think I'm going to act on it. I yeah, think I go. think we need some oven gloves. If you need oven gloves, get them from Wimbledon. I, j- I heard. I do you know. Wow. I heard that fact a few years ago. So they might have astronomically gone up in price with oh. the surging inflation. Oh, okay. 
right so were. i but think still but still apparently that's 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 a good good thing to get in the shop oh this is fantastic right before you put the pot out and people start going in line and the oven gloves sell out i might yeah <laughs> i might nip to the shop there's no puzzle boxes left either uh no yes no puzzle boxes left there might be some oven gloves left as we speak but by the end of today we'll have the semi-finals we are next week i'm in madrid with the paddle yes so we are going to try and we, we won't be together again basically no, no. but we've actually done a few matches together oh here yeah yes we have we? yes we have yeah we've it's had, been good we've, we haven't been kept apart for the first we've had time. loads of time to chat although i just got a message from our boss saying where are you okay so yeah so i think we, we're <laughs> gonna go. <laughs> we've got to go and do some work now you go and work yeah. I'll, I'll try and turn this around before the matches start and as things stand we're celebrating the fact that our predictions are still it might still go horribly wrong yeah but we can celebrate the fact now that 10 days into a grandstand we both got both in that's it yeah love that right i'm well done. i'm off to the shop bye go on.